Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. This week is is very special uh, because I'm not preaching, okay? Um, no, but we have uh, Pastor Jelani Lewis that's with us today, um, and we have two sending churches that have been behind us, that have supported us, um, that, that I've had a chance to serve at both their staffs, and one of those is Gateway Church in Dallas, where I got to serve for five years, and Pastor Jelani is one of the pastors at Gateway Church, um, but not only is he a phenomenal pastor at one of our sending churches, one of our home churches, um, but he's an incredible husband, incredible father and an incredible leader. Uh, seriously, you're one of the best leaders that I know in the world. You're one of the best leaders. Phenomenal preacher. I mean, I'm talking about he preaches like he's fighting bees with honeys on his chest, you know? Like, it's just like he's, you know, he's a phenomenal preacher. We're going to have to bring people in to paint this whole thing because he's going to preach the paint off of the walls, okay? Um, but I love you, man. I'm thankful for your years of consistent friendship and your loyalty and, and just... Um, the rock that you've been in my life. And um, I, I'm so excited. The first chance to, that we could, if we wanted to get you in front, he's actually my brother. And so I, I don't know if you can tell the family resemblance when he gets up here, but, um, but church, can we do this? Can we clap our hands and welcome Pastor Jelani Lewis? I'm not sure what to say after that. I, I'm looking for bees. I'm I, like, it just it threw me off. Uh, good morning, Queen City Church. It is an absolute honor for me to be here uh, with you all this morning. In fact, when uh, Pastor Brian and I were talking, I guess a few weeks back, and he invited me to come out to Cincinnati, we were checking the weather, and it's a little colder here uh, than it is in Texas. And so I'm like, Brian, look, man, I'm from Africa, and I don't have hair. I can't be coming out but they've taken great care of me. And so uh, I, I do want to say to you, Pastor Brian, and to you, Heather, thank you so much for hosting us and having us come out. Uh, you guys may not know this, but you have incredible leadership here. Um, in fact, I guess it was about two years ago that we were all in Israel together, and I got to be a part of the team that prayed over Brian and Heather as they were transitioning into the process of planning this church, and to see what God has done here in just a couple of months is an absolute miracle, and I honor you for your faithfulness this morning, and Brian, you are, I know you said I'm one of the, the greatest leaders you know, but you have to know every time that I spend time with you, I learn, I grow, I get challenged and sharp, and you're the one of the most intentional people I've ever met, and so I'm very thankful for you and for Heather and for the Cromer family. Can we thank God for them right now? Amen. Also, I have with me this morning my very best friend in the whole world, my wife. Erin, would you stand up right now? You can see that she... You can see that she dressed me this morning because we look like Twinkies, so. Um, uh, but she's my best friend. We have two children. We've got a four-year-old little girl named Judah, who is my heart walking around. And then we have a three-year-old little boy named Jaden, who's my mini-me, except for, uh, because I'm only like 5'5", five, five, he's already taller than me. And uh, so uh, you can pray for our home. Um, 
If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We're going to be in the second chapter of Genesis to start off. Chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 25. Verse 25 follows right after what I would consider the foundational scripture on marriage. It says, for the two that for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and then and be cling to his wife or be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and so this is God describing the marriage relationship and then right after that he gives us this verse to close out the chapter that is a description of their relationship okay so Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 I'm reading out of the New Living Translation it says now the man and his wife were both naked everybody say naked Naked in church on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. But they felt no shame. They felt no shame. Now, we're going to skip over a few verses to Genesis chapter 7. This is taking place after what we call the fall of man. Adam and Eve sin. They eat the fruit. And here is their response to this in verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves Verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I just had to make it deeper because we're talking about God. I guess he sounds like that. It would be weird. I'm like, where are you? You just, it's not... Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. It was her fault. Then the Lord God asked the woman and she says, he says, what have you done? And she says, the devil made me do it. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. That's why I ate it. Today, I want to talk about the silent killer shame. The silent killer shame. In fact, the title of this message this morning is Shame Off You. Shame Off You. Let's pray. Father, I pray in these next few moments that you would get shame off of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to start off with a question today that that maybe you weren't prepared to answer coming into church on a Sunday morning, but it's just where we're going to start. I want to know, how many of you have ever been uh, in a public place, maybe a sporting event, maybe a, a mall, maybe even a church, and you accidentally walked into the wrong bathroom? Anybody ever been there before? Okay. How many of you, you realized it was the wrong bathroom when you noticed that there were people in there that didn't look quite like you? Anybody been there? Okay. Uh, I think most of us here have probably had an experience like that, but I will tell you, I feel like I've had that experience to the umph degree. In fact, I had this experience in my own home growing up. You see, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, and um, there's nobody that screamed for that. That Normally, that was the point. Is there? I heard one person, may the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> so I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, and my mother uh, was the worship leader in the church that I grew up in. And so we were fairly close to the pastor and our pastor's wife. And so they would occasionally come over to our home 
And so I remember they came over to our home one day, and, and something else you need to know about my home, there were two bathrooms in our home. There was a master bathroom, and then there was a bathroom that my siblings and I shared, and the guests would, would also use that bathroom. The, the, for some reason, I don't know how this happened, but the, the lock on the door in our bathroom was actually broken. Okay, and so often the door would be closed, but you could push the door open, and it was okay. There's my sister or my brother using the restroom; not a big deal. Okay, and and I don't know why we ever got it fixed. Never gotten it fixed. It was I, I just you would think, hey, your bathroom doors doesn't lock. You probably want to get that fixed, but we didn't. Okay, that's because we're from Louisiana. Anyway, so so then my pastor, and my pastor's wife are at our home. And I must have been in the bedroom playing video games, and I decide I need to go to the restroom. So I get up, go around the corner. I notice that the bathroom door is closed, but that's not anything atypical for our home. And so I just grab the handle, and I push open the door because you, it's not locked. And, and I remember when I pushed open the door, I noticed that there was someone sitting on the porcelain throne. It was not my sister. It was not my brother. It was my pastor's wife. You talk about not wanting to go to church again. I, I mean, I was absolutely in shock and horror, you know. And, and so I did in that moment what anybody would do in their right mind. I grabbed a bottle of air freshener and started spraying this place up. I'm totally kidding. I did not do that. I did not do that. Here's what I did. I, I left the bathroom and then I left the house and went and hid at a friend's house because I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated. I was so ashamed. Have you ever been ashamed? Maybe, maybe it's not the exact same scenario, but I just wonder this morning, have you ever wrestled with the silent killer shame? I bet if you were honest today, some of you would say, well, yeah, I have. And the shame that I wrestle with is because of my family. There's, there's just extreme dysfunction in my family. There's the crazy Uncle Johnny. There's the grandmother who left grandpa that we can't talk about. There's a sibling who rebelled, and we just don't know where he or she is. It's because of my family. Maybe it's not because of your family, though. Maybe it's because of your physical appearance. Maybe you're, you're just too tall. Or maybe, maybe you're like me. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish... Maybe, maybe you're too skinny, maybe you're too fat, maybe you're not pretty enough, maybe you're not fit enough, but there's something that happens when you look in the mirror, there's a flaw that you see about your physical appearance, and because of that, there is shame. Maybe though, it's, it's, not, it's not a family thing, it's not a physical thing. Maybe today, if you're really honest, it's an action thing. It's... it's you said something to someone that you can't take back. You did something with someone that you wish you'd never done. And because of that, there is a sense of shame. Or, or maybe someone said something to you, mom said something to you, pastor said something to you, teacher said something to you, friend said something to you, and it has brought on shame. Or maybe they even did something to you. It's what the uncle did. It's what the cousin did. It's what the friend did. And in your heart, silently, you're being killed by shame. 
You know, Brene Brown, who is a shame researcher, I don't know how you get into shame researching, but she's a shame researcher. And here's what she actually says about shame. She says that she calls them the shame one, two, three. She says, number one, we all have it. Number two, we're all afraid to talk about it. And number three, the less we talk about it, the more control shame has over us. Number one, we all have it. Number two, we're all afraid to talk about it. And number three, the less we talk about it, the more shame has control over us. So guess what we're going to do today? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what shame is. We're going to talk about how shame affects us. And we're going to talk about how to overcome shame in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about shame today. So what is shame? What what really is shame? I think for us to understand this morning what shame actually is, we have to go back to the very first time that shame is mentioned in the Scriptures. And it's a verse in in chapter 2, verse 25 that I read to you earlier. It says that that the man and the woman, they they were naked and they felt no shame. Now let's first talk about being naked. Naked. Well, what's the scripture mean by being naked? Well, it's, it's not too deep. It's just really they didn't have clothes on, okay? They, they, were, they were uncovered. In fact, you've probably seen the pictures of Adam and Eve, and, and they're like hiding behind a bush. Have you seen those pictures? It's like they're, they're, for some reason, all the pictures of them, they're kind of peeking out over a bush or their head sticking around a tree. But, but, but they were naked. They were completely unclothed, okay? But here's something you need to understand about their nakedness. It wasn't simply a physical nakedness. When the Bible says that they were naked before each other, it actually means that they were not only naked physically, they were naked emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. In other words, they were completely uncovered before each other. Can you imagine being in that kind of relationship? Where you can be completely vulnerable, transparent and uncovered with one another. That's what Adam and Eve enjoyed. And the scripture says that that they were completely naked in front of each other and they felt no shame. Now, I, I would have thought, this is just in my mind, I would have thought they were completely naked and they were cold. Makes sense to me. They were, they were completely naked and afraid. I mean, there's a show about it. But, but the scripture actually says they were completely naked and they felt no shame. So there's some kind of connection between this, this nakedness, this uncovering, and the feelings we have that are somehow intertwined with shame. It says they were naked, completely vulnerable, transparent in front of one another, and they felt no shame. In other words, they were not afraid of being criticized, judged, or rejected. It reminds me of my daughter, Judah, I was telling you guys about. Uh, when she was probably two years old, we would give her a shower and put a towel around her as she's leaving. We'd say, well, all right, you need to go get your PJs, Judah, okay? And so she goes back to her room. But occasionally, she would come out with her PJs, and my wife and I may be sitting in the living room. She'd come out with her PJs, and instead of just like, I'm putting on my PJs, she would actually throw the towel off of herself 
and then she would kind of like streak in the living room. And then, and, then, and, she, and then she would stand in front of us and she'd start singing this song that my sister-in-law taught her. I don't know why she did this, but she, start, she would start singing this song while my, my daughter's just completely naked. She started going, naked baby, naked baby. I mean, I still haven't forgiven my sister-in-law. I won't even talk to her for teaching that. But, but my daughter's just naked baby, naked baby. I'm like, babe, that's your kid. That's not my kid. That's your kid. But my daughter completely naked in front of us, no fear whatsoever of being criticized, judged, or rejected. She's naked and she felt no shame. Shame is the opposite of that. Let me tell you what shame is. Shame is a feeling of being flawed. A feeling of being flawed that causes us to be fearful of being uncovered, unworthy, and or rejected. Shame is a feeling of being flawed that causes us to be fearful of being uncovered, unworthy, and or rejected. It's this feeling of being flawed that there's something wrong with me. I, I don't quite measure up. And because of this thing that's wrong with me, I'm afraid that if I'm uncovered, here's what will happen. People will know I'm not worthy, and they may even reject me. That's what shame is. Now, I think it's important this morning that we contrast the difference between guilt and shame. Because guilt is about an action or an attitude. Shame speaks to identity. See, here's, here's what guilt says. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame, on the other hand, says, there's something wrong with me. Guilt says, I did something bad. But shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am bad. A mistake. Guilt speaks to an action or an attitude, but shame speaks to our identity. I know about this firsthand because I've battled with shame a lot in my life. In fact, I remember as, as a kid, I did some stupid things. Anybody ever done something stupid? Like you just you look back now and go, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. Well, I, I did some stupid things. And here's what happened, though. Out of some of the things that I did, there were people around me that I know they love me. They didn't mean it this way, but they made some comments about the things that I did. And it went from Jelani did some stupid things to all of a sudden now shame used their voices to whisper to me, Jelani, you didn't just do something stupid. You are stupid. Jelani, you're, you're not as intelligent as everyone else. You, your mental capacity doesn't quite measure up to everyone else. And listen, if they knew that you weren't as smart as them, guess what they would do, Jelani? They would reject you. Shame is this feeling of being flawed that causes you and I to be fearful of being uncovered unworthy and or rejected. 
So then the next question becomes, how does shame actually affect us? How does shame affect us? Well, as we read in the continuation of the story after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that they did something pretty interesting. It says that at, their, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In other words, here's, at least in my mind, here's how it happens. I, I think they sin, their eyes are open, they realize they're naked, and, and here's what, um, this is just me, guys, again, I'm from Louisiana. I think they realize they're naked and they went, oh, oh my goodness! And I think they take off running, we gotta get some fig leaves, on, and they're stitching up poison ivy, itching all over themselves, trying to get this thing going. And, and so they, they put these fig leaves together, and here's why. Because they need to cover or conceal or hide. Shame causes you and I to hide. Now listen, listen. Here's who they hide from. First, this man and this woman who love each other, who were completely open before each other, they first hide from each other. Not only, though, do they hide from each other, as we continue to read in the Scripture, we find out that they actually hide from God. Now that's interesting to me. There's a lot of people I've tried to hide from, but God seems, you know, I don't know if I would put him in that category. He kind of just knows, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just knows. But, but you get Adam and Eve, when God shows up, they're hiding in the forest somewhere. Literally hiding from God. Can I just remind you today, you can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. In fact, the reason why some of you are here today is because God won't let you hide. He's after you. He's after your heart. And so God shows up, and, and, and Adam and Eve are hiding from God. But then you listen to the conversation, and all of a sudden you find out when God says, Adam, what happened? He's like, the woman, man, she made me do it. And then Eve's like, you know, well, it was the devil. It was the devil. And, and here's what we find out. Not only have they hidden from each other, not only have they hidden from God, but in fact, they take no ownership, no responsibility, which in essence means that they are self-deceived. In other words, they are hiding from themselves. When you and I are covered in shame, we hide from each other. We hide from God, and we hide from ourselves. I remember hiding. I told you, growing up, I thought I was stupid. So here's the fig leaves I pulled out. I said, okay, I cannot let people know that I'm not as intelligent as everyone else, so I will not sit on the front row of a classroom because if the teacher calls me up, they will find out I'm stupid. I won't raise my hand in class because if I ask a dumb question, now I know my teacher says there are no stupid questions. I've heard some stupid questions, okay? And so I'm like, I'm not asking a question because then they will know I'm stupid. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to get Webster's Dictionary. I'm going to start looking up all the vocabulary words I can so that when I have a conversation with somebody and I use a big word, they know I'm intelligent. And all that was was a fig leaf. A fig leaf. Now, yours may not be the same fig leaves as mine, but I bet you came in wearing some. 
I, I bet some of you, you came in today, and listen, your fig leaf is perfection. You work so hard to be perfect because you feel so imperfect. Some of you, your fig leaf this morning is rebellion. You, you, you said, I can't measure up anyway, so I'm going to go as far as I can away and rebel. Some of you, your fig leaf today is that you, you talk too much. How many of you guys know somebody that talks too much? They just talk all the time. Listen, how many of you know somebody that doesn't talk enough? Like, you just, are you even here? Do you say, do you speak English? Sometimes the reason why we talk so much is because we feel so little about ourselves. Sometimes the reason why we talk so little is because we're covered in shame. Some of us, oh, this, is, this is gonna touch here. Some of us, the reason why we're so religious, the reason why we check off the boxes and we read this and we do that and we come to church, the reason why we're so religious is because really deep down there's shame and we think if we just do enough, maybe God will accept me. I don't know what your fig leaf is today. But guess what happens with fig leaves? They help us hide. And when you hide, you can't get healed. When you are covered with fig leaves and you hide, you can't get healed. So then the question becomes, how do we overcome shame? How do you and I actually overcome shame? I want to take us to a, a verse that we didn't read, but it's further on in chapter 3, and it's verse 21. The scripture says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Now, I want you to think about this. Adam and Eve make their own fig leaves. One of the problems with fig leaves is that fig leaves die. So they're going to have to keep doing this over and over and over again. And so God says, I'm going to step in. The Bible says that he made them a covering. And the scripture says he made it from an animal skin. Most theologians believe that God didn't just speak out animal skin. In order for God to get an animal skin, an animal had to die. An animal had to bleed. In other words, there was sacrifice and blood that led to the covering of their shame. So, dealing with the shame wasn't something that Adam and Eve did. It was actually something that God did, and Adam and Eve simply received it. It reminds me of Jesus. Because the Bible says that, that God loved you and I so much that he sent his only son to die for the things that we had done wrong so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could spend forever with him in eternity, and so that he could be our sacrifice. If we are going to overcome shame, We've got to understand something about the sacrifice of Jesus and the cross. 
Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus never sinned, but he took upon himself our sin so that you and I could be made right with Christ. So then Jesus not only took upon our sin, here's what you have to understand, Jesus also took upon our shame because he dealt with sin and the consequences of sin. So if you and I are going to get free, we've got to understand the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you just three steps to overcoming shame. They really come out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is the writer of Hebrews uh, who's speaking here. And uh, let me just read this scripture and then we'll unpack it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Listen to this. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Three steps to overcoming shame. The first one is we need to get naked. We need to get naked. Not right here, not right now. But you need to get naked. Here's why I say that. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, let us throw off, let us strip off the things that hinder us and the sin that easily entangles us. He actually says that there are two different things. There are sins in our lives, but then there's also weights or hindrances. Things that slow us down, they keep us from running the race God has before us. And here's what, here's what uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says. We think it was probably Paul, but here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, you need to throw those things off. Get rid of them. In fact, when I read one of the commentaries about this years ago, he's talking about a race in that culture, and they would literally run naked because they wanted to strip off everything that would hold them back. At minimum, shame holds us back. And so in order for us to run the race God has for us, we have to get naked. We have to strip off everything that would hold us. Here's how you get naked. Number one, you got to get honest. You got to get honest. Listen, you need to be honest with yourself. That's Luke chapter 15. That's the prodigal son going, he came to himself. You got to get honest with yourself. Number two, you got to get honest with God. Some of you, the reason why you feel shame today is because you just need to go to God and confess some things. And 1 John 1, 9 says that when we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. He forgives us. But we need to get honest with God, and then we need to get honest with others. I love how Pastor Brian talked about the groups because the groups creates a safe place for us to get honest with others. Because James chapter 5 verse uh, 18 says that we are actually, when we confess our faults to one another, we pray for each other for healing. So we get forgiveness from God, but we get healing in relationship. I'll, I'll tell you for me, guys, when I was a kid, and I told you I battled with shame a lot. When I was a kid, I was sexually abused by a woman, which opened the door for horrific immorality in my life. I never really dealt with it 
until I came to Gateway Church. I remember sitting across from a pastor because I had decided I need to get honest with Jelani. I need to get honest with God. I need to get honest with somebody else. And I began to unfold the story of what happened to me and decisions that I made. And as I opened up and got honest, God began to heal me. You have to get honest, which means you need to get naked. Here's number two. Get focused. Get focused. Remember, he's talking about running a race. Now, I used to play um, college football and I ran track. Now, I know you're looking at me and going, okay, you play college football. I know I'm 5'5 five, five and 3 fourths. Uh, not, uh, you know, it's just like, really? And, um, but I tell people, listen, the reason why I played football was not because I was fast. Because you look at me and think he had to be fast. I wasn't fast. I was scared. Okay, my friends, my friends ran for the end zone. I ran for my life. Okay, it's just, it's different. It's different. So, but here's what they would teach me in running. They would say, Jelani, if you're going to run this 100 meter dash, you're going to run this 40 yard dash, you need to find a point and focus on it. You've got to look straight ahead, find a point and focus on it. And here's why. Because if you look to the right or to the left, you will be distracted. So you need to fix your eyes on something. And so the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes not on someone else, not on yourself, but on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Here's why he says that. Because if you and I decide we're going to run this race and we look at the person next to us, it only leads to comparison. And here's what we do. We compare ourselves to someone else. And and so we're in essence looking at them and we're looking at each other. And here's what happens. You only become prideful or shameful. That's it. You look at somebody else and you go, well, I'm better than them. So that's pride. Or I'm less than them. So that's shame. And so he says, don't look. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Listen, I'm just telling you, here's what the enemy would love to do. As you get honest, he's not going to stop with the shame. You're going to have to make a decision every day. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm focused on Jesus. I'm listening to what Jesus has to say about me. Listen, I'll tell you in Psalm chapter 75, verse 7, the Bible talks about promotion. It says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from uh, the Lord. But then the scripture right after that says in verse 7, it is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. Listen to me. You know what shame is? Shame is you and I in the seat of the judge. It is you and I judging ourselves unworthy. And can I tell you today, you are not the judge. God is the judge. And through Jesus Christ, here's what he said about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the beloved of the Son. You are not shamed. So you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Here's the last one. Number three, get to the cross. Get to the cross. He says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Listen, listen, this is important. We celebrate the cross now, and we should. We have cross necklaces. We have cross tattoos. We have cross earrings. We celebrate the cross. In Jesus's day, it wasn't cool. 
Jesus actually died in between two criminals. It wasn't cool. In fact, what you need to understand is that the Roman execution was not simply about executing someone. It was about shaming them. If you listen to the process of what Jesus went through, how he was beaten, he was spat upon, he, he, he was mocked, he was stripped. Listen, that was to shame him. That was to shame him. In, in fact, when Jesus makes it to the cross, we see the pictures of Jesus and he has like the loincloth on. So he's hanging up there, but he's got the loincloth on. And he's kind of crossed like this. Most likely, Jesus was on that cross naked. When the Romans would execute a man, he was naked. Why? Because they wanted to shame him. Listen to me. Jesus dies a shameful death. Now, you got to hear this today. Here's the whole point today. Jesus died a shameful death so that you and I would not have to live a shameful life. Listen, Jesus died a shameful death. He let people beat, beat, uh, beat him, spit on him, mock him, and they put him on a cross naked so that you and I would not have to be ashamed. Here's what I believe Jesus wants to do tonight or this morning tell you this one last story and I'm done. A few years ago, my wife and I were building our first house. We finished this house and there were some things that were wrong with the house. And I noticed that my wife was really frustrated and she's super sweet, like one of the nicest people you know, but she does have a dark side. And, and I remember, here's what happened. My wife, I said to her one day, because I noticed she was so frustrated. I said, babe, why, why are you so frustrated? And here's what she said to me. She said, Jelani, we paid for a new house and I want what I paid for. We paid for a new house and I want what I paid for. Listen to me. I believe Jesus is saying to many of you today, I paid for your shame and I want what I paid for today. I paid for your shame. I want what I paid for today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to ask you, what is God saying to you today? What's the thing that's standing out to you? Maybe he's speaking to you today. He's saying it's time for you to get honest. You need to get honest with yourself, honest with him, honest with someone else. Maybe today he's speaking to you about getting focused. You've been looking to the right or to the left, and he's saying it's time for you to fix your eyes on him. Maybe today, though, he's saying get to the cross. And for some of you, getting to the cross looks like this. It means starting a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. Or maybe it's restarting a relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus died to take our shame. But he also died to take our sin. In fact, he died so that we could be forgiven of our sin, so that we could have a relationship with him, and so that we could spend forever with him in eternity. But we have to make a choice. And I just want to ask you today, nobody looking around, but today you know you need to make a choice to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. I'm not asking you, are you a good person? I'm not asking you, do you do the right things? I'm asking you, do you know today you need to give your life to Jesus? If you want to do that today, nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand?
right now. You want to give your life to Jesus today. Amen. Anybody else? I I need to give my life to Jesus. Raise it up high. You don't need to be embarrassed. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Listen, you can put your hands down. Still keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer. And if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to say it out loud, but I'd love for everyone to pray this prayer out loud. But those of you that raised your hand, I'm simply going to lead you in a process of saying yes to Jesus and you will never be the same. Would you just say this out loud with me, everyone? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have a relationship with you, and so that I could spend forever with you. Forgive me of my sins. Come live in my heart. Change me in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 